We all are guilty of this. It could be with our, our spouses, our partners, or even our kids or whatever, where we communicate something. We assume the other person understands what we've communicated and what our expectations are. We all go off on our merry way and then they screw it up. And you're just like, how could you possibly have screwed this up? I told you exactly what I needed. And this is not it. This isn't what I wanted. And so we have to get in the practice of communicating expectations verbally. These are our goals this year. This is what success looks like, but this is also what failure looks like, frankly. Okay. And giving specific examples of things where you know they might get tripped up, you're anticipating it. Then saying to them, okay, can you repeat back to me what you understand from this conversation? Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 195 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at tracyoutsuka.com. You know, my purpose is always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. And in the thousands of ADHD women that I've had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that wasn't truly brilliant at something, not one. So for all of these reasons, I am delighted to introduce you to Jen Lehner. Jen is a digital marketing and system strategist who loves to share the gospel about getting help in your business. Her ADHD brain had her spinning in circles in her business until the day she hired her first virtual assistant. After that, everything changed, not just in her business, but in her life. Jen lives in Shaker Heights, Ohio with her husband and teenage daughter. When she's not working in her business, you'll find her rollerblading, reading, traveling, or overthinking things. Jen, aren't you also an adjunct professor of digital marketing? I am, but honestly, like I'm still on their roster, but I haven't taught a class in, in quite a while since before COVID. So <laughs> you're so too busy. Yeah. Yep. So well, welcome. Did I get all of that right? You got it all right. It's so good to be here, Tracy. Absolutely. You know, I should also mention to our wonderful listeners that Jen is the one who told me to do what I really wanted to do, 
which meant that I finally got up the gumption to focus solely on ADHD women. So without Jen, there would probably be no ADHD for Smartass Women Facebook group or this podcast or AOK. So thank you so much for that, Jen. Okay, sure. I don't know. I don't know about all that, Tracy, but I I will say it has been amazing to watch you go with this because your passion just ignited all of it. So, Well, thank you. I still remember I was in Palm Springs and what I really wanted to talk about was ADHD, but I felt like, who am I to talk about ADHD? I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. You know, I don't have any medical licenses. And you're the one who said, you know what? just talk about, I don't think you were speaking specifically about ADHD, but I think you could tell that what I really wanted to talk about was ADHD. And so you kind of gave me permission. And it was the first time I remember thinking about why the hell not? Why not me? Why can't I do it? I mean, in a doctor patient relationship, there are two people, right? And there are no doctors. We don't need doctors if there aren't any patients. And the problem was the doctors weren't listening to the patients. So Thank you. And the bottom line was that you could help people. I mean, you could help people because you were out there diving in and digging into the information and you were talking to people and you were discovering things and you were so on fire about it. And you were living through this journey with your son and yourself and, and you really were very, very passionate. And so I sort of say that about everything. Like if you can help someone, then go out there and do it. And you don't have to know all the things In a lot of subjects, you just need to be one step ahead. Absolutely. Well, I was basically learning with, you know, all these other women, right? I mean, they were teaching me things. I could teach them some things. So it was kind of this back and forth. Anyway, you probably know that whenever we start our podcast, we always talk about ADHD first. So I'm curious, how did ADHD even get on your radar? Well, through my kids like you. So... It started, I'm trying to think who went first. It started with my oldest son and we went to get him tested and at his insistence, and actually both boys led the way on this. She was an MD, but she was a psychiatrist and she did this whole battery of tests. And it was funny because I had to, of course, fill out some paperwork as well. I had to, I had to assess him as well. Like on one of those things where you check all the boxes. And that was the first time I thought this sounds like me. Like, I don't know what they're looking for, but a lot of these things like that I'm ticking off, really, it's, it's, it sounds like I can identify with a lot of this stuff. And then the same thing with my middle son, they were both diagnosed with, with ADHD. And then that's when it first came on my radar. And, and that is when I just pretty much self-diagnosed, but I mean, I'm almost a hundred percent certain that not only am I ADHD, but my husband is too. I mean, we both think sort of without a doubt, we both are. If you're not ADHD, nobody is, Jen. <laughs> I mean, oh I can't God. deny it. <laughs> well, just, and, and I mean that in a good way. Yep. Um, I'm not, you know, obviously we are always talking about strengths here. The ability you have to constantly keep on top of all the bright sparkly, because what you, you're always looking at the newest tech. And I think that probably got kind of old after a while, right? Is that why you kind of branched off into the front row CEO? Because it's so daunting to stay on top of all of it, but you did such a good job at it. Well, I still do that in a different fashion. Like I have a a flash briefing that I have to do every morning that is basically all the newest in tech. So I I am still doing that. Yeah. And I branched off into the, the other thing, front row CEO, but it's still related definitely to ADHD. And that is because 
it had the biggest impact on my life, what that is all about. And I just love to, you know, I want to share that with my, with my audience so that they can have that impact as well. But yeah, it's exhausting in the way that I was doing it before, which is more so than now, like, as you know, so I would learn about messenger bots. And then oh God, much, I remember to your, that. much to your um, displeasure, <laughs> oh, it was, gosh. it was pretty awful. I got to say. So, yeah. So I discovered messenger bots and I run back to my community and I'm like, we've got, everybody needs to learn how to use messenger bots for their marketing. And so I just, you know, hours, 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 days after day after day, just really plowing through all this information and learning everything you can know about bots. And, um, and then all of a sudden, Alexa flash briefings come on the scene. I got to learn everything about that. So absolutely chasing the bright, shiny objects. But fortunately for me, I created this business for myself that allowed me to do that without it being a, like in a regular job, you know, you could just imagine your supervisor being like, you know, laner, stay on track. You are out of your lane. That's what it would be, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So I want to know, what were you like as a child? I have four older brothers, so I was what, you know, I don't know if the term is used anymore, but we would call it a tomboy, you know, always uh, climbing trees and barefooted and um, just wide open all the time. Like always got Jennifer talks too much on her report cards. Jennifer needs to spend more time focusing on her work and less time focusing on her neighbor. Uh, And (laughs) so it was always, I mean, I made good grades, but I was you know what? You had the grade section and then you had the section that would be like excellent, satisfactory. Right. I was always like NI, like needs improvement. Yeah. So that's what I was like. Have you ever had a corporate type job? Yes. Before my first son was born, I was a regional director of a nonprofit organization. I had a team and I had a huge fundraising budget and I had a, a very large territory in South Carolina and Georgia. Yeah. And I, a boss and bosses above her. And I enjoyed it actually. I really did because for the same reason that they get, you know, I was given the freedom to, you know, what a lot of people call be an entrepreneur. And I was an entrepreneur as a kid too. I mean, I was that kid with the V8, with the, with the uh, lemonade stand. And to my mom's like, oh my gosh, I went and got all of my Dr. Seuss books. This was like first grade. And I went into the the park and um, where we lived and I set up a table and I sold them all for like oh. 10 cents, you know? And <laughs> So yeah, I was always I was always that. And so in the corporate type job, I was allowed to be sort of an entrepreneur and and innovate and do the same thing that I'm doing now. I really loved it actually. And so why'd you leave? Uh because I got pregnant and uh with my first son and I wanted to be uh, a stay-at-home mom. But through that whole time from the time uh he was born till he was about 13, I was a stay-at-home mom, but during that time and then you know the other two kids came I was always still doing this stuff. Like I was the mom in the classroom who wanted to show the teacher how we could have a classroom webpage and she could do like all the school updates on that. I mean, nobody had a webpage at that time, you know, or how they could do a newsletter through constant contact or, uh, and I always wanted to set that stuff up. So I was still doing all this stuff. I was just, and I was still learning it, you know, eBay, eBay came around right when, when he was born. So I can remember breastfeeding with one hand and listing stuff on eBay with the other and not even really, not even for the the money. It was for the, I was so amazed that this was happening, you know, that, that you could do that. I mean, it was just, I thought it was so cool. Oh, we take it for granted now, but it really was a humongous thing to think that you could make money from your guest bedroom. 
I, I totally remember that as well. And I was a huge eBay, eBay seller until my nephew took my account and, you know, he's a total techie and I don't know what happened and I got banned, but <gasps> it was a per- the perfect excuse to buy the kids these beautiful outfits. And then I would just turn around and sell them on eBay. So it didn't end up really costing much. Yes. Yes. I, I used to always sell their outgrown clothes as well. The, the stuff that was, you know, pricey. So I'm curious, have you always felt different than others? Do you feel different than others? I don't really know how to answer that. I mean, yes, I definitely think that I am different, but I never felt held back or like like misunderstood, maybe sometimes misunderstood, but not not terribly so. And do you think it's because it sounds like you always pursued what Jen wanted to pursue? Yeah, and I also had this like just the unwavering support of my parents and everybody around me. So mm-hmm. it, there was never people saying you need to, not the people who really mattered, like you need to tone it down or you need to, you can't do that or, or whatever. So for that, you know, I'm so thankful because I really was pretty hyper in the way that I behaved uh, in those early days. And I just think I could have been squashed, but I was supported, you know? Yeah. It's it's interesting that you took it that way. I actually, <laughs> I see different as great. And so what I was getting at more was, did you feel different in that, you know, your brain just works differently. I mean, here's these other kids and they're sitting in front of the television watching, oh, I don't know, whatever kids watched then versus I'm here, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what can I sell? How can I start a business? You know, buying those little invoice books, like th- that was my big thing. Uh, yeah. versus my friends weren't doing any of that. Well, absolutely. And I, I do see all of that as a positive. So that's sort of like, but, but here's the thing, you know how, when you're good at something, you sort of take it for granted and things that come easy to you, you sort of take it for granted that other people do that as well. It would only come to my attention that what I was doing or thinking about or whatever was unique when people would be like, you know, they would say stuff like, well, I just don't even know how you do that. <laughs> Yeah. Or if I got a new appliance, you know, I needed all my friends to come over to see how this Vitamix worked. Look, <laughs> it can make ice cream. Look, it could be. And then, you know, but I wouldn't stop there. Then I would contact Vitamix and be like, I think I could sell this for you at Costco, you know, like, <laughs> and I would find out who the CEO was. And so that's how I operate. And it's funny because my oldest son is exactly like that, like very, very tenacious, but in fact, that is different from other people. It's just, I wasn't paying attention to them, I guess. It was just like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just really yes. doing what I'm doing. But they would comment and say something like, well, that's cool or that's weird or, you know, whatever. But you just figure other people are doing stuff too or you're just not paying attention to them, I guess. <laughs> no, I totally relate to that. It's almost like you just don't care. You don't yeah. care that it's different. <laughs> and certainly at that age, you probably don't notice it. Now, looking back on it, I'm like, well, yeah, that was a little different. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. So I believe that all entrepreneurs are somewhere on the spectrum. You know, they're ADHD symptoms and it shouldn't be symptoms because symptoms are pathologies. I guess I should say they're ADHD traits, creativity and need for novelty, you know, that loving the bright, shiny, the lack of fear, the hyperactivity, all these ideas all at the same time. I think that is actually what makes great entrepreneurs. And I've done a lot of things. I've run a number of different entrepreneurial type ventures, but nothing prepared me for starting and then running an online business. It was literally the hardest thing I've ever done. 
There is so much to do and it's all constantly changing, which I think especially for an ADHD brain is a bloody nightmare because right when I thought I finally had it all put together, something new would catch me, you know, my eye from the side of my eye, I would see it. And I'd feel like, oh my God, I need to know about that new thing. And I'd start all over again. So it literally became this nightmare. And that's when I discovered you and your programs. But the one that literally changed my life was Front Row CEO, which is all about how to hire the right help. I mean, I know for a fact without, I'll start with the first admin that really made a difference was the one that you helped me find, Leiden. I literally could not be doing what I'm doing. How did you decide that Front Row CEO was something that entrepreneurs really needed? Well, because like we were saying earlier, it, I was doing all this other stuff. I was I was like exploring all these other tech things and showing people how to weave that into their marketing. And I was creating online courses and I was doing all this stuff and I was like working myself down to a little nub. And in fact, I'm not a large person, you know, I'm I'm average weight, no health problems, and I can remember sitting at my desk creating this course doing everything, right? Like the landing pages, connecting it to the lead magnet and the follow-up emails and the social media posts that had to go with it, like literally every single thing. And one particular thing might take all day, like trying to figure out Webinar Jam. I don't even know if Webinar Jam is still around, right? But trying to figure that thing out. And I looked down at my feet. I had forgotten all about this till just now. I looked down at my feet and my ankles were swollen, like swollen ankle. I have skinny ankles, they were swollen. And I was and like, you weren't what? Pregnant. No, no, no. This, I wasn't pregnant. This was like, I don't know, like eight years ago in the early days of my online business. And I was, I was like, what in the heck? This, you know, this is, this is bad news. So my point is I was just really struggling. I got my own virtual assistant after a um, conversation with my son who was 13. And uh, should I share that with you for real, real quick or? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, it was a pivotal moment. So he was typical to how, and this was before he was diagnosed and it was very typical to how things could go in our house. Right. So I would say, I said that morning, this is a crazy day. And so you have to make sure you are home from school right on time because right after that, we have to go to the orthodontist. And right after that, we have to go to the whatever. There were like four appointments we had to make and we had to be right on time. And then you have your violin lesson and yada, yada. Okay. So he forgets things. He's, he, he gets locked into, he daydreams, you know, on the way home, walking from school, just daydreaming. And um, he comes home late. So I overreact. I get upset. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're late. Blah, 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 blah. I told you everything had to go just right today. You know, I just completely overreacted. And then we fussed back and forth. And then finally he said, and this is my stoic child who never cries and his lips started trembling. And he was like, mom, I know you think that I don't need you anymore because I'm 13 now and I'm a teenager, but I actually need you more than ever. And you're just not around. And he said, and also you're not fun anymore. Oh, that's the worst part. <laughs> that was the worst part. I was like, oh, I hear I was thinking I was this fun mom. No, I wasn't. And when I was honest with myself, I really wasn't. It was because I was so, I was doing all this stuff. So that's when I was really like, you know, stuff has to change. And I hired my first virtual assistant. It changed everything. And because of that, then I just started mentioning it to people. Then I put together just a little free, like three video thing with some basics. Like this is what you do. And I people, remember that. Yeah. And people love it. I had all this other 
these other fancy products out there that took me ages to create, but this is the one that seemed to resonate the most with people that was really helping people the most. So I was like, well, I need to just develop this some more and really show people exactly step-by-step how to hire, exactly step-by-step how to do this in a way that won't make you crazy, that doesn't take up all your time, that doesn't cost a lot of money. Like I, I just tried to decide like or understand what are all the real pain points and address those in a way that was really doable. And that's how I started Front Row CEOs. That was a really long answer to your your question. No, I think it was a really good answer. And I think we've all been there at some level where we realize that, you know, and part of it is, I think we think that I can't hire anyone. They're never going to do the job I would do. At least that's what I think that perfectionist, Mm -hmm. you know, brain gets chattering. And the truth of the matter is there are things that I'm really bad at and I should not be even let around them. Mm-hmm. I'm also, I'm the bottleneck, right? You know, if I don't move it forward, it's just not going to move forward. So I'm curious, you know, anybody who's listening, who's never hired a VA before is probably thinking, well, my business is so small, you know, I'm not making that much money. How am I going to afford to hire someone? This doesn't make any sense. Well, first I got to start with the tough love. Okay. So first of all, it's very affordable. I'm going to tell you how that, how that is and how it works, but the tough love that people need to hear is that if you can't afford to get a virtual assistant, especially with as affordable as it can be, you really aren't in business yet. You really don't have a business yet. You, you maybe have a hobby, but but you just don't. Okay. Because I always say to people, like, if you think about a doctor and she opens up a practice and she says, you know what, I'm going to wait until I have 10 clients, 10 patients, then I'm going to get a scheduler and then 20 patients, I'll get a nurse. I mean, I'm like, it's ridiculous, right? Of course not. And so it tends to be more controversial than it should be because I really think that earlier in our business is when we need to get a virtual assistant. I wish I would have started two years earlier because from the minute that you go into business, you are smacked in the face with so many things that, like you said, you lack competency for, or, you know, you just shouldn't be doing because it ties your hands from doing the things that you're actually went in business in the first place to do. So if from the very beginning, you can share those and offload those administration tasks and anything you shouldn't be doing, then right from the beginning, you're going to be doing growth activities, things that actually grow uh, your business. So, and one other thing is that I also believe that it is like just the cost of doing business. Like, you know, you, you wouldn't open up your business without a computer or access to Wi-Fi or even uh, business cards, maybe not so much business cards, but those are things we just, yeah, of course I need a printer. You know, that's how I think about it. That's how important I think it is to have help. So in terms of affordability, the first thing I'll say is that let's just keep round numbers. Let's just say you're a coach and you charge $100 an hour. If you are paying them anything less than that, for the tasks that they're doing while you go and do the things that earn $100 an hour, you're already in the black, okay? So you can find someone overseas and leverage foreign exchange rates, but for the small business who's really struggling with cash flow, if you were to hire someone initially at that rate, then what happens is you really do see growth very quickly. So as you grow, you quickly grow your VA with you. You're giving bonuses. You can even offer profit sharing opportunities like, hey, if this next campaign and we do well, you're going to get 
X amount of dollars or X percentage or whatever. There's a lot of creative ways to do this. So it lines up so that really anybody can do this. You could start with 10 hours a week, then you go to 20, then you go to 40. When you look at the big picture, so like all the time you're spending doing Canva graphics, you hand that off to someone else. If you're using that time to then do sales calls, write your signature talk, finish your book, doing all those things that that actually bring in revenue, in the end, at the end of the year, you're going to be in the black. Now, if you just hand off those tasks and go sit on the beach, that's a different story. Although this does allow you to hand off tasks and sit on the beach. So that's good too. You know what, for me at least, what I got so much benefit from, and I didn't expect this, is I think with our ADHD brains that are super creative and can at times be all over the place, what we need, we fight against it handily, but what we need more than anything is structure. And what I have found so beneficial from, you know, my VAs and the other people that work with me is they bring the structure. Because I know they're showing up and they expect to work, it makes me get the stuff done that, you know, I don't really want to do. I mean, I do try to hand off as much stuff that I don't want to do, but there are some things that I just have to mm-hmm, do. Sure. And it makes me do them. And it makes me do them, you know, in a manner that's just much more, I'm just so much more efficient. That's such a good point. It forces you to show up as the CEO in your business. And that is a a good thing for sure. So what do you say to the entrepreneur like me who says, I can't hire anyone because they're never going to do the job that I would do. And that's just going to stress me out more. Because what I will tell you, Jen, is before your program, I did for a couple of years. I remember I was complaining to you all the time. I would hire people and then they would just ghost me or they would just be so bad you know, they'd have mental health problems and they would just disappear for, you know, two months. And then all of a sudden they'd come back and say, oh, I'm so sorry. Could I have my job back? Like, I just could not find good, consistent people to help Mm me. Right. And that was before we had the CEO system in place. So now the framework that I have, I hear this a lot, like I'm open to it. I know I need a VA. I've tried it. And then they share stories like what you just said. They ghosted me. It was too much personal drama, like nonstop. And this does happen. Okay. But there is a way around it. And the way around it is to be preemptive and to do this in the beginning, in the hiring process, there are, and you know, and as you know, I I have this templated now. So it's literally like you just copy exactly what I show you to do, right? You don't have to think about it. You will not overthink it because you can't, it's just, you're just going to do what I tell you to do. And Part of that process is sort of a semi-automated screening process that so that by the time you get to the interview, you only have people who are highly qualified. They're the right people. So you haven't had to sort of like hold your breath and hope that their resume is real and that the letters of recommendation are real. Or or if you just do a resume and an interview, just crossing your fingers and hoping that they're going to be as good as you think they are, we add a few things in there like test tasking, right? So first, just to test attention to detail and competency and that sort of thing. Before they're ever interviewed, there's a little test task exercise. And then once we get to the interview process, usually there's several people that like you love. So let's say you interview, let's say six people. And out of that three people, you're just like, yes, I really think 
any of these people would just be great. Then what we have you do is go into a, um, a trial week and it's a paid trial week, but again, it's so affordable and work is actually getting done. Okay. You give them work to do during that trial week. And that trial week is everything because those things show themselves early on where people won't respond to you. Maybe they wait till, so let's say your trial week starts on Monday and then you don't hear from them till Wednesday and and they decide to start on Wednesday. They're gone at that point. Like trial week is over. This is not your candidate because they didn't, they didn't show up when they were supposed to, or they make a lot of errors or they're contacting you 10 times an hour, even though you have the instructions very clearly laid out for them that might also not be your person. Do you see what I mean? So the beginning part is so important. And then after that, the onboarding part is so important. So for example, and we all are guilty of this where, and it could be with our, our spouses, our partners, or even our kids or our best friends or whatever, where we communicate something. We assume the other person understands what we've communicated and what our expectations are. We all go off on our merry way and then they screw it up. And you're just like, how could you possibly have screwed this up? I told you exactly what I needed. And this is not it. This isn't what I wanted, you know, <laughs> but here's the thing. We think people can read our mind. And so we have to get in the practice of, and this, this is really good in the beginning. And for anybody listening who already has a VA and, and you sort of feel like, oh, I didn't do this in the beginning. That's okay. It's never too late, but communicating expectations verbally and in writing, but then going one step further and in the very beginning saying, okay, here's, here's the list of the expectations let's just say this is generally like for the whole job generally, but you could do this on a project specific basis as well. But generally speaking, this is, these are the expectations for this position. And these are our goals this year. This is what success looks like, but this is also what failure looks like, frankly. Okay. And giving specific examples of things where, you know, they might get tripped up. You're anticipating it and explaining that to them. Okay. Then saying to them, okay, can you repeat back to me what you understand from this conversation as to the expectations? Now they have to verbally say back to you those things. This has been so enormously helpful. For example, when there's a problem and you run into a problem, and now you may not, this may not be what your expectation is. This is an expectation for me. Everybody's different. I would say like, okay, when you tackle a project, or you're, you're at work and you run into a problem before you come to me with this problem, I would like you to find three solutions first. Oh my God, Jen, this is brilliant. I need to employ this. (laughs) This It makes such a huge difference because most of the time you have already given them the answer to that question somewhere, right? Somewhere, somewhere. If you have just the fact that they're so smart, right? Like I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about Leiden and we just had this conversation and I probably didn't handle it. She's going to be listening to this because she does. A Hi, Leiden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I can't remember exactly what it was, but my thought was, come on, Leiden, you are so bright. I know you could figure out the answer to that or, oh, you know what it was? It was um, one of our guests. I had asked that we get another photo because the photo wasn't just a quality photo. And my podcast producer, I think, reached out to her. She didn't send us the photo. And I think my podcast producer forgot. And so my VA just went ahead and put it up with the old photo. 
And I said to her, didn't, you know, my podcast producer provide a new photo? And she said, no. And I said, because that is not a good photo. This woman is adorable. And I want to really showcase her in her best light. You know, did you think about that? And she said, I did. And then I forgot. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, Leiden, I want you to, what was the term? I want you to, I mean, it's basically the same thing, right? So when you see something that clearly you're thinking, you know what? I mean, I wouldn't post that. I want them to take ownership, right? That they, they would be like, that doesn't look good. That doesn't reflect well on the work that I do. Right. And that's a great thing to sort of make note of and then add to your systems, your checklist for every, you know, because I'm sure for all your podcasts, you have a checklist of all the things and who does which thing. And so now that that has happened, adding a sentence that check quality of photo, you know, Uh, and then now that's just part of your, your system is that, okay, yeah, let's double check that the photo is current. It's not blurry. It is attractive. I mean, it, it presents the person in a good light. Like, do you think this is an attractive photo? I mean, people, people can figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. If she wouldn't post it on her own, you know, socials and, She's so amazing that, you know, I'm being nitpicky here, but (laughs) no, I think that was actually an excellent example. That's the kind of real stuff that, that happens for sure. But I love your comment where before you come to me, because I'm the bottleneck, right? So I, I get these questions coming towards me and I'm trying to work on what I need to work on. And then I need to be, and then I'm diverted off of them to answer these questions. And sometimes it's frustrating, but that's my fault. That's nobody's fault, but my fault. I need to come back and say, look, before you come to me, check and see three resources to try to find the answer for yourself. I think that is so amazing. I'm going to use that. Good. Well, make sure and let me know how it goes after you do it. Yeah. In a couple months, see if it Well, because you feel bad, right? You feel like, oh my God, here I am complaining about something else or, or you just don't actually what I'm more apt to do is to just sort of let it go. And over time, and I, I kind of think that might be like, it's more work to get into that kind of honestly, my ADHD brain, it's more work to get into that. So I just kind of shove it aside and, oh, it'll fix itself until it ends up in this big snowball at the end down there at the North 40 versus, like you said, if you just deal with how you want it to be at the very beginning, then you don't have these kind of miscommunications. You don't have people constantly contacting you because they're afraid to make any decision on their own. Right. Yeah. We definitely don't want people to feel afraid to contact us, you know, and, and, you know, and there are some people who they're okay with it and they want their VA to be in touch with them all day long, you know, and, and chatting with them. I know a few people like that. That's just not how that's not going to work for me. Like you said, with our ADHD brains, it's game over. Like the whole day is, you know, could get ruined just from one thing that takes you away from what you're trying to focus on. The other thing that we use that's a helpful tool is that we have a, um, a daily sheet. And some people just use this for like the first six months. It really depends on the person that I'm working with. Maybe I'll use it for forever with some people, but it's basically a, um, we've now made it a spreadsheet because one of our students recommended that we do it in a spreadsheet, which was really a better idea. But we started it with a Google doc and it's just every single day, the VA says, uh, the question is, what did you work on today? Do you need help with anything? And do you have any suggestions? And that's it. And what's so great about it, and the spreadsheet's super great now because you can like look at all of it at a glance. I really like it. But um, this is so great because the third question, like, do you have any suggestions? You know, a lot of people are just very literal. You, you're just going to say like, 
I need you to work on these tasks and they're going to do these tasks. And you don't, this is true for, oh, I can't remember what the hidden talent was with, oh, coding. Okay. So I discovered like Nika is my star, rock star, head VA. And I didn't find out until like three years or something working with her that she actually can code. She knows CSS and stuff. And I was like, well, I didn't know you knew that, you know, but why would I? I never gave her any CSS tasks. And so um, you can find hidden talents with that question. Because if they make a suggestion that, I don't know what the suggestion may be, but it reveals talents that you didn't know that they that they may have and skills. Uh. You know, that's another thing you taught me is to use that form. So every single day that my VAs do work with me, they have that Google Doc and they tell me, okay, these are the things that I've done. And you know what that does too, is it makes me realize how much they do. Like right. I could never get all those things done that they got <laughs> done, right? They're really right. good at them. Yeah. And my team really likes that too. It's not about checking up on them. This is about communication. And all of this comes down to communication. Success depends on communication. And so so as many tools as you can put in place to make that easy, you know, it's it's going to be good. You know, the other thing is, and again, I, I do think my lovely little ADHD brain is responsible for this, but I find that in the things that I don't want to do, I procrastinate. Or I'm so busy doing this other stuff that to jump off of it, like I, I can't do the transition, right? I just need to hyper-focus on what I'm working on to get it done. And so what ends up happening is I'm the bottleneck. So it literally took me a year to try and start a newsletter. I would, and it was ridiculous. Here I am, I'm recording these podcasts, getting all this, you know, great feedback, how much it's helping the women who listen. And then I'm not doing anything about, you know, sending this information out to more women, right? It's just because I couldn't get the newsletter started. I would start, I would maybe do two, you know, weeks in a row, and then there'd be like months before they'd hear from me again, because I couldn't seem to get it going. And I actually had a couple marketing people set up, you know, newsletter templates for me, and they were beautiful. And, but it always required me to go in there and do work to get them out. And my goal, I finally realized, was I want women to listen to this podcast because this is what they're coming back and telling me has changed their life. And so I am doing a disservice to other women, right, who don't know about this podcast or who may have found out about it and then they forget about it. And so finally, what I ended up doing is I literally took myself out of the newsletter. And I just created a newsletter that would focus on the podcast and it wouldn't require me to do anything other than check it for literally 30 seconds right before it goes out. And what we do is we set it to go out automatically. So I know if I don't get to it, it's just going to go. And it might go with a typo or a bad link because I didn't check it, but at least it goes. And I'm so proud. I've been sending it for over a year now. Okay. I'm over here applauding you and jumping up and down for you because that was just a brilliant, brilliant workaround. And everybody can do this kind of newsletter, whether they have a podcast or not. It's more of a kind of a roundup, right? And that is something it's, it's, you don't have to write four paragraphs of your, of your insights, your best content. The most valuable thing you're doing is that podcast. And so that can be systemized with your team to extract what needs to be extracted, blurbs, you know, whatever, 
resources that you mentioned. I mean, basically show notes really sent out to your listeners, uh, more links about your guests or, or whatever. But yeah, you don't have to do that. And and I'm still my, I am still very much the bottleneck in my business. And my big struggle is being consistent with just recording my podcast and my, my YouTube videos, because I have an amazing team that if it's all I have to do is hit record. That is all I have to do. And that is what I'm supposed to be doing. That is the work that I, I should be doing. That is the work that moves the needle in my business. And once I do that, they take it from there and I, I really never see it again. And so why am I not doing that? It's just, it's like the problem is batching is, and that is, that is really the challenge. I can do a one-off episode. It's just, I'm, I really, really have trouble with batching. I'm still struggling with that. So, but it is comforting can I ask to know. You, yeah, go ahead. Jen, do you have a podcast producer? I do. Okay. So. I mean, they do the show notes and. No, no, no. I mean, someone who schedules your guests. Oh, no, because I don't really do guests. Oh, oh well, you know, maybe you should. <laughs> I mean, I sometimes here and there, I get nervous with guests. I don't know. I mean, I always enjoy it after I do it, but I find it really stressful. Oh, I love guests. Well, you're really good at it. You're so good at it. It's just so interesting to hear people's stories. But honestly, that has made a huge, huge difference as well is I hired a podcast producer, Grace. I've actually had her on this podcast. And what she does is, you know, I will certainly send her people, you know, people contact me or I see someone in the news and I think that person would make a really good guest. I'll send it off to her. But then she on her own is ferreting out who might be a really good guest as well. And then she schedules them for me. So then I'm stuck. And, you know, I tried to do the batch podcast, do four on one day, and then I only have to record once a month. But mm -hmm. that was way more stressful for me than what I typically do is I record one on a Thursday and one on a Friday at 9 a.m. Every once in a while, like yesterday, I recorded one at three because my guest was in Australia. But that steady pace, it's so much easier. And I think guests are easier too because you're just bouncing off of other people's ideas and comments. Yes. Well, Maybe I need to talk to Grace. <laughs> oh my God, she's awesome. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's wonderful. So I have one quick question. Well, and then another one after that. I want to know, has the quality of offshore VAs gotten better? Because I remember pre-COVID, I was trying to hire someone and it was really hard to have a big enough pool of candidates to choose from, to get people to respond. Everybody, I, I just wasn't excited about them. But then once COVID hit, I think a lot of VAs, certainly in the Philippines, they quit their corporate jobs and they're now working from home. And so all of a sudden, I just had this influx of amazing people to choose from. And so I've been meaning to ask you that question. I think that is true. Um, I know that it is true that the whole, um, what's it called? The big quit where everybody's leaving their jobs here great. in the United States. Like, is it called that's the Great Recession? The Great, you know. I know. Yeah. What is it? It's the Great, <laughs> oh my the big God. quit and the Great. I know. Like, I know it. I say it all the time. I'm, I get Google alerts on it every day because I'm very interested in it. Oh, it great resignation. Yeah. I had to really Something with an to R. pull that out of my brain. But anyway, that's global. That's not just here. And yeah. so, yes. But what I want to say is that I don't think it's ever been a quality issue in the Philippines because people that you interview there 
have a minimum most of the time of a bachelor. Now, using my process by the time you get to the interview, okay? They have a minimum of a bachelor's degree. E- education is very important there. English yes. is practically a first language. The call center culture, of course, they have that there. So they speak very, very well, like really good English. And I've had people in my interviews who have advanced degrees, MBAs, engineers. I mean, really, it's mind blowing. And so I think the talent is there. Maybe there's even more talent there. But the key really is those initial steps to make sure you kind of weed out candidates who just aren't going to be a good fit. Yeah, but that's a good observation because, I mean, it just has to be true because it's true everywhere else. So people are wanting to work from home and they want to be remote and like us, they want to be their own boss too. So there's lots of benefits for them for doing this. Jen, do you have a neurodivergent brain workaround that you can share with us? For me, it is, well, it's it's having help, but it's also everything just has to have a place for me. If everything in my life has to have a place And when I have that set up, I am very highly functioning. And when I don't, I'm a disaster. (laughs) So, so really, you know, really important. And I have to have alarms, multiple alarms set. I'm not a late person actually, but I'll just forget the appointment altogether. I will show up a month in advance for my doctor's appointment. This, this happens, you know, I will. Yeah. I'll, I'll be forgotten your kids. Oh. Oh yeah, this just happened recently. I was, I, I was, but I am. It was my week to carpool, and so the schedule is that I, I leave the house with my daughter. We go pick up her friend, and then we go get in the carpool line at school, and uh, the drop off line. And this was just at the end of last school year, and uh, I was getting in the carpool line. I had neither child in my car. I went straight from my house to. The school with no children to drop off. And as soon as my phone rang and I saw it was her, I, then I realized, but I was, so, I was so focused on like whatever was in my brain at the moment, you know? So, so, but yeah, having, you know, the, the, having That's things. That's the best in, one yet. <laughs> it wasn't that you forgot to pick her up. It was that you forgot to take her. Yeah. Both of them, both of these kids. I mean, I, I just, I went all the way to school too. It wasn't like I got halfway there and thought, wow, it's quiet in here. You know, I mean, oh my gosh. So, <laughs> so are you working on something you want to tell us about? Yeah. So, I have a, um, a free masterclass that is all about how to hire and train and find your perfect match virtual assistant. It's jensprograms.com forward slash free masterclass. I know you'll put that in the show notes. That's a long link. Uh, and Jen's then, pro- wait. So, what is it? Jensprogram.com forward slash Jen's programs with an S dot com forward slash free masterclass. Okay. And then the other thing I've got this that might be really helpful because one of the first things people tell me when, when I talk about this is I have no idea what I would give to a virtual assistant. So I've got this task list of 160 things that you can think about handing off to a virtual assistant. And that's at jensprograms.com forward slash VA task list. I have that list and I think it's fantastic. I still have it sitting here on my desk and I refer to it often. So yay. Yeah. So thank you so much, Jen, for spending time with us here today. Thank you so much, Tracy. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Jen, please let us know by leaving a review. You know, our goal it's to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their amazing ADHD brains work 
so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Come join me at tracyoutsuka.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.